0: This is the uh, (coughs) particular intonation. It's um, supposed to be the words that the Brahma deity Sahampati um, spoke after the Buddha's enlightenment because the Buddha wasn't particularly clear about whether anybody would understand any teaching, how he could articulate it. So he was uncertain as to what to do about this, standing under those trees, enjoying (laughs) himself. And then this uh, Brahma deity, Sahampati, appeared. And this is the particular phrase he used. There are beings with little dust in their eyes. Please um, present the teachings, present the Dhamma for their benefit. That's, That's what that little bit is about. And it's uh, very nice, in some ways, to reflect on the, the um, sense of occasion for teachings and occasions um, for these, for even the Buddha has to work in terms of timeliness, the timeliness of things. So, so you have to, sometimes he wouldn't say anything, it didn't seem to be the right time. Other times he would, he would say, it's a matter of knowing whether the person is ready, the mind is prepared, they're open, they're interested, and something worth saying, and whether that's, um, you know, has some painful bits in it or pleasant bits in it. If it's truthful, the Buddha will speak it. If the occasion is not right, then even if the Buddha has truth to say, he won't impart them. I think there's something very nice about that, the sense of almost like a modesty, but also a recognition of being in, a, in some kind of group thing, or, or ent- you know, bigger than the, even than the Buddha good has to refer to, is this the right times? It's okay. Um, you know, so it's not like a missionary thing whereby the is all psyched up on what's good for everybody and just starts trumpeting it out. <laughs> you know, whether anybody wants to know it's the right time or anything. Um, <coughs> the kind of way in which even the act of teaching has to defer to the appropriateness of the occasion. Mm -hmm. and Just as the act of teaching has to defer to that then I feel that the practice has to defer to that. There's always some way, form of being present, coming into presence Um, and the way that that shapes up has to defer to what um, is timely, what is appropriate. It's a matter of, of not just clock time, but of, of a proper sense of time, timeliness. Um, <coughs> Greeks called it kairos, which is uh, two different kinds of time: chronos and kairos. And chronos is is linear time, is the history. And chronos means the pro- the moment, the timeliness, the appropriate. Uh, kairos means the timeliness, the appropriateness, when things are fitting and uh, that's an embodied sense that's an embodied sense what feels right we will have this sense of timeliness but it gets overridden by clock time historical time so we suddenly jump the clock, jump, the bell. There are certain um, obvious reasons for that, for a sense of orderliness and um, so on, but then it it can get out of control, whereby the real um, orderliness itself gets overtaken by things called efficiency. Um, and so on, you know, which, which means we're starting to lose the real order. In the embodied sense, just to re- remember or recollect that all of us have been born, and one of the f- first senses that uh, arises with that in, in the whole process of coming into birth, conception, <coughs> time... You know, it, it, you don't get conceived unless it's the right time, and it's not going to happen on a clock. You know, whether the 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 mother's body is ready, you know, at the right, then that, that's going to happen. Um, and those kind of biological rhythms, you can't you can't shake them. You can't make them more convenient. <laughs> Or efficient or effective, they're just patterned in there uh you know they're, they're patterned into, into the whole biostructure and the, the amazing thing is that from the you know the even from the very point of just being a little seed, a kind of a few cells, something knows about time, something knows you know the 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 right time, the right occasion, and it begins to find itself in that. And in the moment when we, um, the baby or the infant in the womb decides, do not decide, but somehow senses, this is the time to start getting out of here, and begins to produce some signals and chemicals that, that cause the womb to contract. You know, so that it's the the baby says it's time to get born, not the mother. You know, which. Um, and. You know, day, night, whatever, convenient, inconvenient, you know, at the office, whatever, it's going to happen. And it <laughs> once it starts, it isn't going back, you know. So one of the, the unstoppables is a is baby being born. It knows, it senses the right time, it's just going to happen. It's a time that's like a holistic time. You know, its own growth is, is there. Um, the, the situation around it requires it to, to move, um, and it feels that, and it starts to chemically signal time to go you know. uh, and this and then how long it takes in clock time is is changeable. you know some people will actually get out in a few couple of hours, some people take half a day longer to, to actually emerge so it, it reminds us in a way of the almost like the waking up instinct, which is a kind of another birth, a birth into um, you know, something larger perhaps than an normal way of of being and thinking and operating. There's something there that almost gets tr- triggered. You know, I want to get out, I want to get out, I want to get out. <laughs> this is too small, it's too narrow, I'm getting too big for this, um, you know and then it, how long it takes and the pangs of that change from person to person yeah. uh, but in a way like realizing you, you can't really say how long you know you can only say as long as it takes and trust that, that the timing is appropriate for, for you know for your own process mm. you can't push this further, what you can do is keep connected to that, um, that intelligence, to that awareness, keep connected to the, um, the things that, ki- that hold you in the proper um, embodiment. So, that The more we disconnect from that, then we keep stalling the process. We keep um, stalling it by, by losing connection. And, of course, this is um, what happens for many people. Mm. Having been born, I think that's the end of it. Mm. And we get conditioned out of being embodied into, into clock time, which is a very external, anonymous, unconnected experience. It's, it's abstract. We operate around that. And after a while it starts to push us and dominate us. <coughs> and one believes in it. There are 24 hours in the day. A minute is so long. But you feel what 24 hours feels like of a good day and a bad day. What a minute of of happiness feels like and what a minute of pain feels like and the two do not match up. Um. <laughs> yeah. So uh, particularly in states of, of uh, calm then a minute can seem a very long time or just timeless things just sort of the sense of movement and going on begins to relax and it feels very floating and open. So we, uh, so time, the embodied time, is a different experience. It's got no particular uh, pressure to it. It 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 it, it, it it's like uh, something that, that that covers us, like water does a fish. You know, you just flow along in it. And even and the, so that that sense of uh, the present moment is actually not, you know. When we think of that in, in clock time, we we think of something that actually is frozen still. But the present moment, as we experience it, is something with as a sense of of fluidity, flow in there, um, embodiment flow. We can feel light. We can feel bright. We can feel flowing, um, and um, there's some calm in that. You get kind of like a rhythmic, tonal sense is when we feel embodied. And then when we lose that, the sense of either being, things moving too fast, getting overwhelmed, pressured, pushed, and panicked, and trying to cope, and so much coming up. Uh, And then we've uh, moved out of the really fully embodied sense. We've gone more into something like our um, an, Id- an idea or, or, or an overcharged emotional state we've lost the full quality of embodiment sometimes time seems to go very slowly when you get almost frozen you get a hypo state where one feels rigid and trapped and frozen and can't move These are uh, experiences that we can have on retreats whereby you know, time can move very slowly, very fast, drag, uh, flitter by uh, and so on and it's changing with people. And it's a way in which we, the irregularity of this is like as we're trying to come back into our embodied sense um, you get the, the effects of the system just kind of trying to stabilize itself. And so one of the things that, that we recognize that is, is the time sense becomes very uh, uh, unstable. It's like the system is shaking, trying to find a new level, trying to find stability. And, and so that the sense of time um, dist- distorts... Uh, you get the cognitive or the thinking mind, how long? How long can I have to do? Do I have to do this for? How long do I have to keep practicing for before you know I get something? Um, I don't seem to develop very much. Uh, I seem to be stuck in things. I don't seem to develop very much. These sort of um, senses, these, uh, these, these notions come up in us. Um, and then, what will I do in the future? And so, so that, that sense of, you know, one feels one's got to get ready for the future. Which is kind of really, from an embodied perspective, is really kind of bizarre, really, is if the future actually is out there. And it's in four days' time. And the future is, is already prepared, and it's out there, and it's, it's waiting somewhere. this kind of hyper virtual reality, which will occur in four days' time, starting from now. For the seconds ticking away before that future thing happens. You know, you think, wow, this is this is um, quite psychedelic, isn't it? And <laughs> <laughs> the you know that that it can feel that real, uh, and the whole thing makes sense to us. I mean, we don't think we can all all chime in with that, recognise that, get a sense of that. And and but where's your body in all that? What is it? What when that sense comes up? What happens to your body? Can you feel that in your body? But this is almost like you're going to take one thing away from the retreat, take this phrase away. You know, forget the rest of it. Just This phrase, what's this feel like in your body? Okay. This is Buddha Dhamma in one phrase. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, oh, body, what body? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, how can I? It's, it's the knees or the ankles or what? No, 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 not, no not that thing. Not the, the sense thing. It's the overall bodily quality, mood, tonality, presence, vibrancy. Do you feel tense? Do you feel bright? Do you feel big? Do you feel small? Do you feel contracted? Do you feel loose? You know these senses. These kind of parasympathetic senses. <coughs> Um, do you feel complete? Or just feel like a he- a head? A head <laughs> winging through the universe? <laughs> Sometimes I find just, st- you know, when, when I get hyper, um, with, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to see this, I'm going to see that, I'm going to figure that, I'm going to do this, you know. Uh, this thing. Coming to the palms of my hands, you know, which are the palms of the hands, soles of the feet, um, very um, good sensors. You know, these places, so just coming to the palms of the hands, and oh yeah, because they, they're fairly easy to feel. Just hold yourself in the palms of your hands, and that's the, uh, I find that a very useful thing. Because they easily, the, the fingers start to tighten up when I get a bit panicky, um, and then everything rushes up to the, to the head. I think the sense in the temples, temples, of the head start to knot up, and the eyes start to get rigid. Make you weep, it would. <laughs> um, and then just coming back into the body. No, and really hands come into the palms of the hands. Not the entirety of that. And then if I'm standing, soles of the feet spreading onto the ground, connecting. These very, very simple connectors and these what these particularly these parts, the hands, which are such incredibly intelligent um, aspects. Of a body, really, really intelligent. Um, and these are the things that, when we're born, the first things we use, you kind of feel your way. Looking for nourishment, see so you your hands kind of feeling out, textures of skin. You know, the first thing we need to know there's somebody out there. Mum, you know. so the first thing you kind of it's a hands-on experience, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Literally, <coughs> and it's still there. It's still there, and uh, we, we're tactile creatures. So you know, just considering how, you know, these meditations are really about the sense of touch. You know, the sense of like how, when you're developing bodily awareness, it's like it's almost as if you're imagining touch. Know, it's like your, your tactile sense brightens up, perks up. That's the idea. So you're doing body sweeping. Like, How does my neck feel? Throat feel? How does my chest feel? What's happening down the inside of my arm? And it's just as if your awareness is stroking all of that. <coughs> and it takes a little, sometimes it takes a little time, an invitation to, can't quite get it yet, just this could just wait and it come up. And even mindfulness of breathing, feeling that breath stroking down inside the body and emptying out and the and the body tissues flexing as one breathes in and out. Or walking meditation, you know, the sense of the body flowing through space. Standing, body grounded, standing, you know, feeling the weight of the body descend and how that feels. These are all very tactile things. And there are ways in which, very simple ways, medit- meditative ways, of coming back into the embodied sense. It's not like we're trying to, you know, have a particular sensation, but just to have that intelligence lighting up, that, that uh, has its um, qualities, and also has a rhythm to it. It has a particular sense of, of it's aware of space. Is this okay here? Mm. Can I feel this? Can I be with this? Is this safe? Is this okay here? And it has a sense also of timing. I don't feel really here yet. Mm. I'm pushing this. I'm trying to make it work. I'm going to make it happen. I haven't got into the timing of it yet. And then, you know, when we come into embodiment, we, we allow it to happen. We allow the breath to come and go. We allow, and there's a sense of, ah, oh, now I'm in flow, now I'm in proper time. And in that, the whole system calms. We're in a flow experience and the system calms. It's not necessarily calming down, in some sort of you know, suppressed state, you could call it calming up, it's coming into flow, and that's accompanied by the qualities of rapture, which is quite a heightened, um, eager enjoyment state, and that shifts into a sense of fullness and ease, completion. And if you, you can't push into that, is that the, you, one is imposing a, a set of, of abstract time onto real embodied time, embodied sense. Sometimes you actually have to learn how to breathe, how to bring the body into an alignment where it has all the time in the world to do a full breath, to, to, to actually get completely to the end of one breath before you start the next. Um, we may have got accustomed to just always running, whereby you only get half a breath out and begin the next one. So it's like when you get conditioned into uh, clock time, and particularly the sense of efficiency and effectiveness, it begins to affect your, uh, not just your way of thinking, but it affects your bodily sense too. You begin to choke the bodily sense or, or, or um, cut it off. Bodily. This is one of the experiences of disembodiment. That, you know, In a bodily sense, time is a rhythmic, connected thing. Quality, an experience of being in flow, um, and if if we want to move out of that, we've got to leave, leave our bodies, leave that sense. The flow may change, you know, sometimes it flows quicker or faster, but the basic sense of it um, is uh, associated with feeling okay, feeling comfortable, feeling willing, feeling welcome. You know? And you can't, you can't, shove those in. You can't say, okay, you've got 10 seconds to feel welcome, um, right, that's over with, and now <laughs> you've had your time to do that, 10 seconds, sure that was enough. You now you've got to say, all the time in the world, but, but what if they take a year? You know, if it takes a year, it takes a year. That's when, you, when you make that kind of statement, all the time in the world. Well, twelve seconds you feel, Oh, that's it. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. It it it's but you've got to keep it that, that quality of just almost, you know, deferring to to the bodily sense. So often what can um come up for us when we when we imagine now, in the future, um, is that we, when we do that, we come into, out of our bodily sense, we imagine the future. We come out of our bodily sense and we go into um, cognitive and emotional representation of what the future means for us. And it's both disembodied, it's dissociated. So it hasn't got the natural time qualities, embodied time in it, and it can be, and it probably is, for most of us, associated with uh, suddenly a huge amount of things we're going to have to do. Yeah. So that everything speeds up, and then you get that oh god, I'm overwhelmed. We find this even in a monastic setting, where we maybe do a meditation, and then we have some period we do chores, and we sit down together, and then somebody says, well, okay, this is what's going to happen today. And uh, it looks like somebody's bringing a load of tiles for the roof today, and we want three people to do the washing up, and somebody's been doing the cooking, and sister so and is going to the dentist, and this person's arriving. Suddenly you feel, you feel overwhelmed. Actually, you're still sitting in the same room, and all of some words are coming out, and it's really, you know, people are here, fine, everything's okay. And then you suddenly feel overwhelmed. <laughs> and then if somebody keeps going on, like, well, then, but then by May we've got, to, by May we should have got this done and that done, and in April and June this is going to be happening, and you've got to prepare for Wesak and then there's a festival coming this thing. Oh, panic, get me out of here! <laughs> I'm crazy. It's too much. So, where, you know where is all that? And then, you know, so often we have to do that, and then um, you go to, go into this sort of dissociated panic state, and then you say, "Well, let's just ring the bell now," <laughs> and uh, <laughs> sit quietly for five or ten minutes. You know, <sighs> trying to come back into into real time again <laughs> and it's what the perceptions do I mean, all that happened was that there was maybe eight minutes of, of, of verbiage occurring but it was all the emotional resonances and the values and the meanings, the perceptions are things that, you know, that go in there and, and to even conceive of the, of the future is a slightly risky business, because, you know, you have to go into your, your kind of cognitive faculties, which are often really um, so, so um, conditioned into running and racing, getting things done, and things have to happen, this must be this way, and everybody wants it, and will go, the world will fall apart if I don't do it, and all that kind of stuff, into what I call the low-grade panic um, of efficiency. As soon as you start to think of the future, you, you know, begin to panic. In a, in a sort of low-grade way, sometimes a high-grade way. <laughs> Let alone whatever those whatever those words signify. Yeah. Something important's going to happen on Friday. Ooh. <laughs> 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 yeah. Big cheese is coming on Saturday. <laughs> 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 the, so the, you know, the very perceptions and meanings uh, have this intensity that charges us up with a certain emotional uh, hyper state. Uh, and, and that goes into, that uh, has a sense of when you get emotionally hyper, it, f- it affects your body time. You, know, you start to feel speedy and pressurized when you get hyper. So, just the body time, ty- body time, is very much associated with emotional states. So we, so that the two, you know, play play with each other. And you, so, if you come into the body time of the you know, of the body standing in its present condition. It can help us to the emotional states can cool, calm down. Not because we're trying to make them that way; it's just they do. They're, they're resonant with the body. This is you know one why why we practice mindfulness of body. Um. <coughs> but to do that, one really has to find ways to enter into into the body, and not just look at it or. Think about it, or you know, have an attitude towards it. Really, to enter into the the substance of the tissues and the feeling of it, like you're holding it and massaging it and rubbing into it, and you know, very tactile thing. So it can be extremely enjoyable, um, and that's part of it. But the other part of it is that just you know, fully entering into it rewires you know, or brings you back into true alignment. And your emotional states begin to line up, you know, sort of get, get steady. I mean, they can be warm, rapturous, interested. There's a certain emotional fluency that occurs. And often when we are on this journey into, into real time, then we're kind of hitting, or the waves of emotional disconnectedness are, are bashing against us and throwing us into various states of locked, driven, locked, driven, <laughs> locked, <laughs> driven. <laughs> you, know, you have to meet this kind of ongoing uh, torrent uh, of of uh, unresolved um, emotional uh, malalignment or uh, an emotional alignment to... Um, unprocessed um, experiences. You know, the fear experience, the grief experience, the um, infuri- in rage experiences, whereby the sense of uh, our presence, our connection has been taken away, or shut down, or we should been shoved out of it. So we feel a sense of loss, Something wrong, and we may f- that may be experienced as a, as a grief, sadness. May experience as a kind of anger and rage. And it can be experienced as a um, sense of fear. Something wrong. Something wrong. Something wrong. We've been the, dis- the disconnection, the dissonance, the disconnection from true presence, from true time, which bonds us, you know, is accompanied by these. Is marked with these states. What are so what are we connected to? It's not just you know connected to other people, but connected to this quality of awareness that that with that enfolds us. You know, so any any sensation arises within a particular awareness space. It arises in a particular time, and It comes up. Sometimes it shoots up. Sometimes it, it, it just gently arises. But it has its own timing. and it So it occurs in its own time, in real time. And it occurs in a particular space. Sometimes the space is very contracted. Sometimes it's quite expansive. Um, most people will find that their awareness space is a rather contracted thing. And the timing is... is, is Overcharged. It's too too. Everything's going too fast. So it's fast and contracted. Um, <coughs> so this is the nature of um, the <coughs> a being who's been conditioned into um, ways and means that are not true. Are not in in rhythm. Not in line. They are um, captured. So it's, it's our practice is to is to by contemplating by being aware of how things arise for us, whether they're physical sensations, thoughts, moods, emotions, painful, pleasant, so on the whole bit, drives and urges, just to be aware of the space around it. So it means sometimes kind of like quite a soft focus. Um, so that we are not just riveted onto the object itself, but we are aware of you know, what's around this how does this feel for me, how am I with this You know, anything like that that gives you a sense of not just being that object but having enough space to get some relational um, tone with that what's this feel like, so that we get a little bit of awareness space like that. And uh, a little bit of time, a little bit of real time. And this is the thing that we can enhance. You know, this is the old famous paradigm of Anicca, you know, things arising and passing. But we don't, you know, it's not mechanical, nor is it something that we induce, it's something you begin to sense. As you, you, uh, as you handle phenomena in the right way, some phenomena you need to give a lot of space up to. Yet, not when I say, you know, it means a lot of time. It also means that your focus is rather large and expansive. You're not looking necessarily every refined detail and every little bit of that. You just want to get the whole picture um, in simple terms sometimes when we're, so when we're entering into the territory of what's arising for us then one of the ways of handling material is, is we, we acknowledge this, you know something here for me this, this is painful, this is difficult and then rather than all the little details just what's the general sense of this What's a simple word? The sense is that, tight, hard, sinking, fire, um, don't know, fog. You know, so just bring it to the simplicity of of something that's handleable. And this is actually this knack of like of almost defocusing from a. Well, it's like this and that because of this and that, and you know. And then I did this, and I don't know why I did that, and I've really got this for a long time, and you know, because my friends did, you know, sort of stories that we can see the fine degree, or the, well, the filigree of the story around a particular mood or thought, just the the general broad one word sense of it. So the handling is quite soft, you know, and yet. In that asking ourselves to distil it, we're using the cognitive faculties in in a in a good way. Using them in a responsive way rather than an analytical way. So it, it's a way of rejigging the way we use our cognitive faculties, which are normally very good at telling us all the reasons, the explanations, the analysis. Uh, you know, in in past, future, present, and. Any particular takes and associations we can have with that, and we're like reversing the trend of that to, to take us back in by saying, no, 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 just one word. <laughs> 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 you know, so simpler is better. You know. and, uh, tight, or fed up, or stuck. get you know and then it's like you start resonating with that then to get that that so it gives you a, like a feeling word like a feeling tone not an explanation or analysis but or an even i am just a sense of how it feels to be there and um that the interesting thing about that is, is when you you can do that, then e- difficult things, which normally proliferate into all kinds of stories, instead have a, they sit. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's that's it. And you feel there's a sense of space and stability, and then, and then the thing stops. It starts to enter real time. We can then respond to that. What? And the response is, is to this is well. What does it need? What does it want? Not what should I do with it? Or what's it... You know, or any kind of judgment. What does it need? And we're asking in that to speak from the feeling. Not, well, what I need is, what I need is uh, five weeks of meditation to sort this one out. That's much too complicated. That's what I need. Well what does it need? Uh, probably needs space. You know. um, need to move. Uh, and it, it's it's all very simple um, in in the embodied sense. The embodied sense is a very simple sense, but it's a very accurate, direct sense. It's dealing presently with what I need, what's needed. So we make that sense of oh, you know, by Tuesday I'm supposed to have done that paper and and then I said I'd do that thing for the boss and is going to run to see me on Wednesday. And God, blah, 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 blah. Um, how am I going to manage to meditate like this in, the, in this state? So, okay, you know, you know just what's that? Uh, panic. Okay. <laughs> what's it feel like? It feels like something in my throat, you know, choking me. I feel throttled by this thing. Then what's really what's really ne- what's needed? Breathing out. So we're coming back into into the, in the body, and those perceptions that normally would spin us out, we're able to defuse them. We come back to a, a place, a, a mellow place, a, a beta, uh, an embodied place. And you need to do this, uh, being able to even, you know in what's happening, or even some of the ways in which your mind wanders, as they say, and I've started to question this kind of notion of the wandering mind, actually. Having studied and been with one of these for many years now, <laughs> and Wandering mind, stop it. That wandering mind. Um, you know. But then, well, it does it a lot, doesn't it? As far as I know, everybody does it a lot. Maybe it's trying to do something useful. It's, it wanders around all kinds of silly things, it seems. But maybe it's trying to tell me something in the only way that it knows how. See, maybe if I kind of jig around long enough, he might actually listen to me. And so I'll create some pretty, you know, wild images that might catch his attention. (laughs) (laughs) And some pretty weird scenarios. Um, So it might catch, he might actually listen if I do it loud enough and long enough. Um, But there, you know, the old uh, judge says, oh, cut it out, stop it. And it proves it, you know, all these strange things you're thinking about. It proves that the wandering mind is crazy. But to actually say, well, we're looking at it. Not we're not actually, you know, being fe- being in it, feeling it. We're standing apart from it with the idea, with the judgment, and just going into the, the feeling of the wandering mind. Right? What's it want? What's it want? What's it doing? They say, I want somewhere to go. I want somewhere to be. I want something to have. I'm fed up with being in here. Get off my back. Let me move. I so, so "What does it need? It needs needs some nourishment. Needs something, you know, enjoyable to happen. That's what it needs. And we don't, you know." It, we're not necessarily trying to respond to the images exactly, just to the sense of that. Hmm. Or it needs somewhere safe to go. It's frightened, it's panicking, it needs somewhere safe to go. And as we touch that and resonate with that, you find that actually the place of that is in your own embodied awareness. You know, we may, the mind may be thinking of, well, I'd like to have five pastrami sandwiches and uh, lie on a beach, and this and the other. That's this way of trying to n- give us a nudge. You know. Give me some enjoyment, will you? Uh, if we take it literally, we cognitively get it the wrong way. But just go into the emotional sense of I need some, need to enjoy, and then once we touch that. And, and resonate with that, the possibility of feeling something in us acknowledge a real embodied need. Enjoyment, nourishment, richness, abundance, a real embodied need. All bodies need this. They don't just make it up because they, they need it. And um, coming into that And we find that that, um, there may be particular things that we need to address in our lives. That's that's part of it. For myself, so much, it's just the sense of actually being able to acknowledge a need, and, and, and instead of saying, well, you can get by without, or it doesn't really matter. Just being able to acknowledge it and sense it. Sometimes that's The body says, that's all I I wanted to do, just get this sense um, acknowledged, and coming back into the body with loving kindness, which is uh, with calm, just enjoying being present, and then the enjoyment faculty starts to flow in. So full awareness is responsive, it's relational. It's relational, which means it's not just here am I aware watching these things, which are just things that happen. Relational means it, it, it's a negotiation, it handles, it holds, it listens, it responds, it questions, it's, it's interested in what's going on. It's not just taking a stand. <coughs> The embodied um, sense is also uh, a protective quality. When we lose full embodiment, we're, we, we lose the protection, and it's um, of that. And of course, you know, we can say this body, physical body is not immune from disease or weapons and so forth, but many, much of the time we're not actually threatened with those things, and yet we can be living in a state of um, fear, anxiety, worry um, desperation even don't feel okay here uh, that there's, there's a sense of self-wounding going on all the time sense of self-aversion going on so that even though nothing physically is, is attacking us there is a sense of wrongness that's gnawing away at us I'm not okay here self-conscious. Um, I'm probably doing the wrong thing here. I'm not fitting in with the group here. I'm not the way I should be here. And this tremendous like sandpaper continually stripping away um, the sense of well-being and presence in the present moment. And this particular enc- encasing of this. So that... Uh, it's something that, 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 that being encased in a, a sense of worthlessness or, or lack of worth because it's something that gets conditioned into us through the whole behaviourist um, attitudes you know, that you have to be this way, you have to be that way. So that your sense of who you are is very much associated what, with what other people say. Uh, And that can be extremely manipulative. And once you've lost the sense of "I'm okay in myself," and you've handed it over to somebody else to tell you you're okay, um, then you're beginning to lose your own your protection. You just you know lose that. And in that sense of the loss of protection, the feeling wrong um, is escalates. Because we feel unprotected, we feel frightened. Because we feel frightened and nervous and anxious, um, it feels wrong. So then we start to blame ourselves for feeling like that. I shouldn't feel self-conscious. I should feel confident. I shouldn't feel something wrong. So we the blaming starts to occur on top of that. So you get this kind of cycle of, of abrasive um, psychological behavior that's continually stripping away the well-being uh, and the pr- protective quality of awareness. Awareness is protective in that it's saying, you know, in full awareness here and now, Right. It's, it's, it repels the demons um, here and now it's all right. It's the protective sense. and being able to you know keep coming back to that when we think, well Friday, Tuesday, Monday, what's going to happen, you know. Mr grad grind's going to come in and demand this that and the other you know and how much one's sense of, of um, well-being is given over to these um, these forces and energies even to the Buddha you know, or to the teacher who won't think I've oh, done well enough or good enough knows I'm really depraved and corrupt and defiled and stupid and not what I should be. So we're always handing that over um, to to something else. So real relationship is relationship of awareness, not relationship of fear, not relationship of pressure or demand. It's a relationship of, of presence. And we come into that I can be present with the sense of some anxiety and the more that my, I actually dwell in awareness of that the anxiety begins to, to melt because the only thing I ever can do and can be is that is present the only thing I'm any good at really you know, the only thing this embodied sense can do is be present doesn't know how to do anything else. And we can, obviously, we can do other things, and that's all another story, isn't it? But to, I mean, to just be able to come back to this basic refuge of okayness is, is our protection, our refuge. Coming into your own time it's a refuge. Coming to your own space is a refuge. <coughs> I remember dri- coming over here from Detroit, we drove through, um, through Canada. Richard was driving, so we drove through Canada. We had to come through a couple of customs posts, border posts, immigration posts. So I found things rather strange because they speak so fast I can't actually catch up what they're saying. So they don't actually speak, they just propel, verbal, something <laughs> verbal comes, you <laughs> you know, you kind of fish out whatever documents you've got and hand them over and say, I, you know, I come in peace. <laughs> and then you go, kind of, what are you doing? Um, uh, we're, going to, we're going to Massachusetts. Why? You no, know, the, the whole sense of the, the speedy of it, the time of it, um, throws you into the into me in some sense of anxiety. You know. uh, you know. Actually, I mean, I've got absolutely, totally clean record. I mean, <laughs> completely clean. No, you know, no drugs, nothing, nothing illegal on me. No, you know, nothing there. And yeah, I feel feel frightened already, just because of the sense of being thrown at, out of an embodied time. And I was I was noticing that the way that Richard dealt with it was very, very good, because he just, you could see, he just looked at the customer and smiled, and said, oh, yeah, we're going to Massachusetts, you know, going on a meditation retreat. And you could see he's actually just bringing it, you know, just bringing it down. And he's saying, you just, just, you've just got to present that you've got all the time in the world to be there, and you don't mind if they keep you there for an hour or a day. It's <laughs> <That's> fine. <laughs> you know, you're not trying to get through in a hurry, just like you've got all day to be here and answer any question they like, that's fine. <laughs> you know, and in, in five seconds you're through. Because <laughs> you know, they think, oh, okay, let's well, get on, next one. You know. But that sense of all the time in the world, and then you, when you give all the time in the world, you need maybe five seconds, ten seconds, and then things just happen. Things move through, and that that was a really uh, interesting to to contemplate. That how one's tendency can be to run faster in order to catch up, to to step to move faster in order to catch up, to get with it, uh, to put the pressure on in order to get up to match fitness, and really that, all that energy takes us out of embodied space and embodied time. And when we're out there, you know, when you're out there, it's, it's bad out there. <laughs> I don't have to tell you that. Because all the demons are living out there. All the should bees are out there. And they've got big, big energies. And very convincing you know, scenarios and images they can roll out and then you're really in the funny farm. <laughs> <coughs> so I think these these senses are things to catch a hold of, the, the pressure sense, the time sense, the space sense. And what's it like, you know, when we find our own time? I was just musing today, I, this, well, when I was in South Africa a few months ago, and I was staying out in the mountains, um, some friends invited me out there, and I had this little hut to live in, and I was walking around the hut one day, and I saw this thing stuck on the side of the hut, and it was a, um, a chrysalis, you know, like a a m- big moth in, in, or a grub in a, in a chrysalis form and it was you could see it pulsing and the skin was starting to split on this, this thing. And I was really fascinated with this. I thought, I've never seen one of these do this before and I just sat there. It took quite a while and you could see, after well, the skin started to split and you could see something underneath it and then it stopped. You could see it just kind of gathering itself again. Slowly, slowly, and then the skin split a bit more, a bit more, a bit more. And gradually, this, this thing, this creature, started to extract itself from the, this uh, uh, chrysalis, this, this hard casing, and gradually pulling itself out. And first of all, as it came, it was kind of formless and crumpled. You know, this formless, crumpled thing coming out, gradually dragging itself out of the case. Uh, and obviously, you know, in its own, in the, in the biological time, it didn't think, you know, I had to go to get this done by four. <laughs> just, you know, however long it is. Uh, and coming out, and as it came out, it still wasn't complete. It was all sort of crumpled up and, and contracted. And then it just stayed right with its shell, outside the shell, and it seemed to actually be have quite an affectionate feeling for this shell. It just <laughs> stayed with it. <laughs> and, and as it stayed there, the, the sun started shining on this creature, and gradually you could see that it started to expand, and the wings started to unfold, and unfold, and the veins in the wings started to fill. and Gradually this incredibly Beautiful moth appeared you know, in its own fullness, its own time, and I—I I, was—I was spellbound by this. this you know, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> really, really pleased that this moth came out because uh, it seemed to touch something quite deep in me. You know, the sense. Yeah, there was effort there, but it was all timing. And just knowing what it had to do and uh, just keep going. And there was something that had to split and it must have been a bit tight and, and confusing. And when it, as it started to come out, it wasn't in full shape. But as it came out into this quality, it began to feel and sense that and open to that. And and the opening to that, it became perfect, expanded mobile, free. And I feel this is rather like, you know, as we touch into the ground, as we touch that, as we begin to open to that and find access to that through, through embodiment, then, in a way, we have to really know the skin that holds us in. Some of it's the doubt or the fear, or the aversion, or the worthlessness. And really just know it's this now. You know. One doesn't even have to understand it, it just feels tight. It feels tight in my chest, it feels dead in my throat, it feels like this. And just, just holding the simplicity of that, and then what's needed here? You know, just What's needed here? Space. Open. Space. Open. <coughs> relax. Let go. Breathe you know these very simple possibilities uh, that, that embodiment can bring us and as we as we come out recognizing what what we come into, you know, do you know what what you have? do you know what you you know what you're with really what's there all the time you know but it's so often um, overlooked. The, the awareness, pure awareness. It's sometimes coming in little glimpses, or it's it's aware, pure awareness of something that's not very pleasant. But it would be the awareness of that, and the unfolding is to recognise the, the the totality of that pure awareness over everything, over all the. Sensations and the pains and the urges and so forth—really—and then there's something that you can actually unfold into that, and all that stuff really doesn't no relevant anymore. It's not that you have to kind of sort it out or be better or you know change or make a—it's not relevant. It's fallen away. So <coughs> you know, there's a, there's a this all this is there's a timeliness to this, and we have to be able to also acknowledge, you know, just getting down to the timeliness of the present moment. You know, where does my attention need to be right now? What do I have to touch? Where's this, where's the right the right space or the right distance or the right way of handling that? very, very simple, repeated, but thoroughly, to be thoroughly worked through. Don't uh, get phased by any of that. Whether it seems to be about the future, the past, somebody else, some wild idea. It's all, it's all part of your process. How does it feel in your body? Can you be with that? What's needed?